Happy New Year, ladies and gentlemen. It's 2020. Welcome to the new year. This is the Theory of Enchantment podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm your host, Chloe Valdery. For this first episode of the new year, we go into a deep dive with the awesome DJ Tasha Blank. For those of you who know me personally, you know I love DJ Tasha Blank. She invented this awesome dance party called The Get Down that mostly does parties in Brooklyn. And for one of her last parties that she threw in 2019, right before, I interviewed her for about an hour. And we just talked about cool stuff. It was very stream of consciousness. You'll hear some music in the background because it was right before her set. But I think you'll really enjoy some of the ideas we unpack as artists and as social critics. So without further ado, here's Tasha Blank on the Theory of Enchantment podcast. Tasha Blank, welcome to the Theory of Enchantment podcast. Thank you. It's been so long that I've been trying to get this interview. We've been trying. <laughs> it's been like a year. Yeah. I, I was going to say six months. But, probably six months. But yeah, it's been a, quite a journey. So I'm really grateful to you for agreeing to come on this podcast because my friend introduced me to your work like four years ago when I first moved to New York mm-hmm. from New Orleans. And... Um, listening to you and coming to the get down has been a part of my sort of like um, autonomous process or of becoming autonomous mm-hmm. and becoming independent because I lived at home when I was in New Orleans, mm-hmm. even when I was in school. And then when I moved to New York, that was my first sort of like become independent mm-hmm. phase. Um, and so going to the get down has been a very like critical part of my life <laughs> and Amazing. part of my development. So I just want to first say I'm very grateful to you for creating it cultivating it curating it and starting it because it really means a lot to myself and others as well i'm so glad i don't i never get tired of hearing that um and to be honest it's been the same thing for me like it's totally grown like it's like raised me wow um it's really asked it continues to ask me to step into um new and bigger and stronger versions of myself so i definitely want to talk about that a little bit but before we do can you just tell the audience what the get down is yeah the get down is um the best dance party on the planet (laughs) (laughs) basically yeah um i'm practicing you know really like i mean there's nothing like it yeah other places um i always looked at you know, in um, the second Matrix, which I think yeah. like reloaded the yeah. opening scene in Zion where everyone's dancing. Yeah. I always wanted to like create that. Okay. And one of my first most triumphant moments um, in the get down was like a couple years in and Mr. V, who is one of my f- favorite producers, mm-hmm. um, we were playing at Cielo. And the get down, the get down is a dance party that happens every other Thursday (laughs) in New York city from seven to 10 PM. Yes. So, um, it happens before clubs normally open. Right. So we were at Cielo Mm -hmm. at probably 9 PM, 930 and it was going off and Mr. V came in. Okay. I'm total fan of. Yeah. He came in to play Cielo's like regular club night. Yeah. He looks at me and he's like, what 
is this? <laughs> it's like the Matrix in That's here. That's amazing. And I was like, yes. That's <laughs> like, such a watershed moment. We did it. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I mean, it continues. It continues to snowball and expand exponentially. Yeah. Um, I think our our community is getting tighter and wider at the same time. Okay. Um, such a great core of dancers who come every single time. And mm-hmm. then we also get so many new people all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing quite like it. We don't allow drinks on the dance floor and we don't allow phones anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and really we say love and respect rule the day. So it's really a lot. We talk a lot about consent mm-hmm. and making space for each other and yeah. creating a safe space for women mm-hmm. to dance as sexy as they want to dance, yeah. you know, to be as full, fully embodied and free as they can be. Yeah. Um, and I had, you know, I have, I have a background in five rhythms and like mm-hmm. conscious dance and movement meditation. And I wanted to, it really saved my life. Really? You know, like 10, 10, 11, 12 years ago. Okay. And it changed everything. And I found such healing and freedom on those dance floors. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make that level of healing and freedom accessible to more people who, right. You know, wouldn't normally go to a movement meditation class where right. you're sober yeah. and you have to take off your shoes. Yeah. I was like, can we do this? Um, can we create this level of safety and community and connection in an environment that's more familiar to people mm-hmm. where the music is bomb yeah. and the sound system is incredible yeah. and the lights, you know, help facilitate that whole process. Um, so I really wanted to create a bridge between those worlds of like mm-hmm. what I loved um, about club culture and festival culture and nightlife and house music culture. Mm-hmm. And then the really the, the spirit and the healing and the deep community that comes when people just come together to let loose mm-hmm. fully and not try to impress anybody, Yeah, you know, not try to look cool or whatever. Yeah. That was actually the first time I encountered a, a philosophy like that on the dance floor that was very explicit about that mm-hmm. uh, four years ago when I first came to the Get Down, and that really resonated with me. Um, and it was very... It's something that people need to hear because people are often super self-conscious, especially in clubs, yep. in the tr- in traditional nightclubs mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, but I'm just wondering, when you were doing... I don't know if you're still doing Five Rhythms. Oh, yeah. Okay, so when before you started the Get Down... Was it when you were in Five Rhythms that you had decided to pursue DJing? Or what was, how did that come about? Well, I found Five Rhythms when I was um, 22. Okay. I was just out of college and I had, I graduated with a degree in critical theory, consciousness studies, and creativity. So basically, I had no idea what I was going to do with my <laughs> sure, life. Sure. Um, I knew what I was really interested in and passionate about. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because my dissertation, which I was in an in individualized study program, so we okay. had dissertations even in undergrad. Yeah. Um, it was called The Embodied Self. Oh, okay. Even though I didn't have a relationship to dance in the way, you know, that I came to, um, those seeds were still there. And so, yeah, I found my way onto the five rhythms dance floor. Mm -hmm. And I was basically in this moment of like, 
what do I do with my life? And I was waitressing and nannying and dancing mm-hmm. as many days a week as I could. And I just started throwing these little dance gatherings yeah. and hiring other DJs to okay. play them. Okay. Um, and I am sure that I was terribly annoying to these DJs <laughs> because I would tell them what to play and oh, what yeah. to do. Um, but I didn't, you know, because it, traditionally such a male sure. dominant culture mm-hmm. i was like it just never even occurred to me that i could dj yeah and i was like that's for other people it's for guys mm-hmm. or i don't have the equipment i don't know how to do that right. so um there was a couple of couple of years my first party was called get your dance on okay <laughs> and i did it in yoga studios mostly mm-hmm. and that was a process of you know i just put one foot in front of the other and did it in the places that said yes Mm -hmm. and figured it out as I went Mm -hmm. and ultimately it was not a workable or viable (laughs) business structure at all um and I was still waitressing and I was still nannying and um still struggling to make it work and I realized after a couple years of doing it that it just wasn't going to work with the model that I was using okay and at that point, my, my partner at the time had some old, uh, he had some old CDJs okay. and gear, and he wasn't using it anymore, mm-hmm. so he traded it in for a controller Okay. and, like, sat it down in front of me. <laughs> I was like, girl, <laughs> would you just learn this? Yeah. Like, would you just do this already? And yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, and I was terrified and, and I did, I learned, I, um, I took one lesson, Mm -hmm. taught myself Mm -hmm. and started doing these little pop-up classes with yoga teachers and just experimenting with how bodies moved to my music and practiced DJing and recorded mixes and Mm -hmm. put them out. And, um, then after almost a year of doing that, an opportunity came up to do something at CLO, which okay. was one of the longest running clubs in New York. Yeah. Just um, closed, unfortunately. It closed almost exactly a year ago. Yeah. And best sound system in the yeah. country. And I was like, hey, you're not doing anything <laughs> in your club before 10 p.m., right? Yeah. And they weren't, you know, every once in a while they get corporate bookings, but like usually these clubs are just dark before 10 PM. So we came in and, uh, took over seven to 10. That's amazing. And figured it out from there. That's amazing. Yeah. And that was, uh, six and a half coming up on seven years ago. So your, uh, DJs have actually got me into DJing. So I bought like a controller a year ago, but I was super insecure. Well, I don't know if insecurity is the right word. I had imposter syndrome. Yeah. And so I practiced inside my room for six months. Amazing. And, but then the following six months, I didn't do anything with it because I was, or rather I didn't play in public because I was like afraid that people would, would see my incompetence or, you know, subpar playing and get mad or whatever. Or not mad, just judge mm-hmm. at the very least. And then finally when I turned 26 this year, I was like, this is just, that this is just what's going to happen. <laughs> you're mm-hmm. going to play for your own birthday party. You're going to play for at your own birthday party. Awesome. And you're going to DJ. So I did it. It was We had a house party, actually. Awesome. Um, and people came, and it was great. But it was, it was also because of, like, seeing you 
on stage and seeing mm. what you're able to do like with the audience and that energy yeah that really sparked like a desire to learn how to dj so i also have to thank you for Amazing. that as well um and another thing that i've done which is i guess my practice maybe to call it that i think that five rhythms because i know about five rhythms i know that some people see it as sort of like a ritual and experience it mm -hmm. as a ritual and as a practice so i would say the equivalent of that for me is sometimes i get super high mm -hmm. and i go to this club called bembe i don't know if you've been I there love <laughs> yeah yeah i go to bembe by myself uh-huh <laughs> and dance for like four hours awesome and at this point I know like the bouncers, they see me all the time because I go semi-frequently. And so just the idea that you can experience dance in a very spiritual way, in a mm -hmm. very sort of like ritualistic way, has been a new experience for me. Mm. Um, and it's been really powerful. But I'm wondering about something you said earlier, about like how you were able to use this as a way to become a better version of yourself. Yeah. So what has that process been like? And what advice would you give to you know would-be artists um who who are struggling with like this issue of fear and insecurity yeah and it's because it's a real thing it's a it can be a very deep thing for people to have to overcome oh yeah you know i could talk about this for hours <laughs> it's one of my favorite topics okay i feel like i should also mention yeah. that because people can probably hear the background noise. Yes, yes, we should, we should, we should like. <laughs> We're actually contextualize at a club that. right now. Yeah, about to do the get down. Yeah, this is right before the get so. down is happening, so it's very. <laughs> so you're hearing like all the staff at the club setting up. It's very live. It's yeah, very live. Yeah, and cool. and maybe I'll upload your set tonight. Perfect. And attach it to this podcast. I love it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. amazing. Um. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean what you it goes right back to what you were just saying about your experience learning to dj mm -hmm. and feeling that imposter syndrome yeah. and when i when i i was a perfectionist growing okay. up and i luckily had a knack for several artistic things okay um i never struggled with just sucking yeah at anything <laughs> yeah. like i was always like <laughs> I hadn't, like, I was pretty good at painting. Like, I, you know, my, yeah. my painting teacher was like, oh, you've got a knack for this. Like, right. I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> Same with dancing. Like, I never felt like I was terrible at anything. Sure. I never went through that experience. Okay. Um, in fact, I deeply avoided it. Now right. that I'm looking back, I never put myself in a position where, where I needed to do anything that suck. would be, that I would be horrible at. Yeah. And then experience and go through what it actually takes yeah. to get good and mm -hmm. ultimately master something. Mm -hmm. And so when this DJ controller got set down in front of me, I'm looking at all these buttons. Yeah. And I had this, it was this beautiful and terrifying moment of surrender because I realized that I was going to have to suck. Yeah. For an amount of time. And I didn't know how long I was going to suck for, but I knew that I did not how to, I did not know how to use this machine. Right. And the concept of DJing seemed alien. Okay. Um, even though I loved music, I also, because I had such an intense relationship to dancing, mm -hmm. um, I had a very intense emotional 
relationship to music and I really put musicians and DJs on a pedestal. Same. I like, yes. I also have that problem. Yeah. Well, I, I don't like, know if it's a problem. I haven't you, figured it out yet. I was like, if you can make me feel this way, right. you then must who are be a you? god. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. And so I started dismantling that belief um, okay. around DJing back when I started learning. Right. And then this year I also got the opportunity to, to dismantle that around musicians yeah. and producers because I started finally producing my own music. That's awesome. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that more. But something somebody said to me this year, um, because I, I had a, I quit piano when I was 12. Okay. I had played since I was little, and I, I quit music, and I always secretly, my deepest dream was to be a musician. Yeah. And to sing. Yeah. But I grew up in an era where it was like Britney Spears and <laughs> Avril Lavigne. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm 16 and I'm not famous and yeah. I'm not that blonde or <laughs> quite that skinny. Right. And so I'm probably never going to be a musician. Mm-hmm. Like these, like that was a belief right. that I had for a decade right. um, or more. And so last this past New Year's actually we're coming up on almost a year. Okay. I was on a red eye flight. Um, back from Italy. I played a DJ gig in Italy and mm-hmm. I was on my way back to New York to play for New Year's Eve. Okay. And it was the middle of the night and I was the only person awake on the plane. It was totally dark. And like this, something just popped. And I was like, I am done not making music. I was like, this is the year. Do you know why? Do it. <laughs> or just, it just happened organically. Oh, well, like, like why that moment? Why that moment? It had been, I had been traveling solo through Italy. I had this gig that it, it culminated in this gig, but I had been alone in Italy for like two weeks. Okay. And, um, I had done a lot of just, I'd gotten a lot of space yeah. from my life yeah. and a lot of time with myself mm-hmm. and, um, this was your Walden, basically. It was it was like a <laughs> kind fast of track like. Walden, a yeah. little bit. Yeah, and I I let go of a lot of stuff. It was yeah. like a, it was a very it was a good, amazing, powerful cool. trip. And but it was yeah, it was just this moment of insight. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, this is the year. And literally, as soon as I got back to New York, starting with that New Year's Eve gig the connections started with other musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my favorite musicians were like, do you want to remix our tracks? Like, yeah. Um, and I just started walking forward mm-hmm. as if it was happening. Mm-hmm. And it was like, every time I took a step forward, the universe took like three steps towards me yeah. and helped me out. But each step is terrifying. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> Because up until this point, it's what you've been describing sounds like amazing. <laughs> yeah, no. So here, I, I feel a little bit all over the place because okay. it's like there's when I learned to DJ, yeah. which I was also extremely shy, total inner introvert. Yeah. Like couldn't talk to people almost. Okay. Um, and yet spirit was like, you're going to launch dance parties and yeah. get on the mic and talk to everybody. Yeah. And um you're going to being a DJ is like, you're influencing literally every molecule in the yeah. room. You are creating the experience. You're creating the vibe. You're it's affecting a lot every of responsibility. Single person. <laughs> yeah. And I was 
totally terrified. Yeah. Um, so, I'll, yeah, I'll, rewinding back to the <laughs> DJing for a second. Um, I remember being like a couple years into it mm-hmm. uh, at the get down, being about to go on and having this this feeling of fear come up and having this moment of like, man, what? why do I still feel afraid? I've been doing oh, this, yeah. you know? And then I was like, maybe this is never going to go away. Oh. And really? maybe <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. That's interesting. And maybe fear is not a bad thing. Yeah. And maybe it's actually just excitement without the breath. As Ooh, Fritz Perl said. That's interesting. That's actually the first time I've heard that. Fear is excitement without the breath. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'll have to think more about that one. Breathe breathe (laughs) on that one. Yeah, exactly. So. Huh. Okay. So, yeah, stepping, like, I come from a place of total anxiety. Mm -hmm. I've had many a panic attack Mm -hmm. in my life. I used to be totally socially anxious. Mm -hmm. And continuing to walk forward into this path of, like, revealing myself and becoming willing to express things and do things and give things to the world because that's you know like what what else else what's the point if not that um no that's awesome yeah and so i will say that the fear gets less okay and what what i experience is that it's like it's like meeting continuing to meet the edges and push the edges of my comfort zone mm-hmm. um my comfort zone gets bigger and bigger so, so can the, I, yeah, sorry go ahead yeah. so those the space i have to play in where i actually feel great is much yeah. bigger than it used to be and yet because i'm on a path of evolution and growth i still keep riding that edge right because it's it's not like the edge ever completely there's always an edge there's always an edge there's always going to be an edge there's always more and so my edge this year was starting to make music because there's actually an incredible album called past the edges that i just remembered when you said that yeah um and i'll i'll share to to come to continue the the making music story of this last year everything kind of fell into place for me to put out to create and put out my first EP, including the inspiration for it. Yeah. Um, producers who really helped me up-level the production on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all came together much more easily than I ever anticipated. And then when it came time to release it, about a month in advance of releasing it, I got super sick. Okay. And I was sick for a month. Like it's very odd I, and, timing. And, and even after... I was sick for like six weeks and it was 100% fear. It was 100%. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Like, no, like that doesn't happen to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was. Yeah, that's otherworldly actually. Yeah, and that, <laughs> like, that's, life is super weird. Yeah. Like the more I live it, I'm just like this, there's so much happening that we do not understand. Yeah. It is so far, there is so much that we can't see. Yeah. There's so much more to this body and existence mm-hmm. than like I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I feel like it was relatively simple. It was my nervous system yeah. that had been conditioned from when I was really little mm-hmm. to stay small 
Mm. and hold withhold my expression to stay safe because mm-hmm. there's you know beliefs in there that I was going to be too much right. that I was going to be rejected that it wasn't going to be good enough you know all this stuff like all these things I made up when I was seven years old or whatever yeah. um and my nerve those are all still true for my nervous system mm. so my body freaked out but then I went through the process of releasing it Okay. And having everything be fine. Sure. And it going pretty well. Like, okay. I don't think it's a genius masterpiece, <laughs> the EP, but I'm I'm happy with it as my yeah. first thing that I put out. And what's cool is that now I have um I have two singles coming out in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. One of them we're also releasing a music video that's like the most Oh. There's a music I video. I can't believe I made this thing. <laughs> this is definitely way beyond anything be on the lookout for the music video yeah as far as like exposing myself it's ridiculous um it's it's awesome it's super sexy um but i'm like oh how great i'm not sick and i'm not freaking out yeah and these songs are actually way more raw and way more vulnerable in certain ways Mm -hmm. but i am so much stronger having gone through the experience I went through last spring and summer, mm-hmm. um, my nervous system has learned that it's safe yeah. to put these things out and that it's actually great. Yeah. And I really like doing it. Um, and hmm. so it's, it's like the fear, basically, to sum up, fear is inevitable yeah. if we're doing something we haven't done before. Okay. And especially if it involves expression, especially if it involves being visible and being seen. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody has imposter syndrome. Yeah. Anyone with good taste, there's a great Ira Glass uh, quote about this. Anyone with good taste who's interested in being an artist will inevitably hate everything they make for the first period of time that they're making it. Because there's no way to get around sucking when you start out. Yeah. Like you have to suck yeah. and you have to Fair. be willing to just go through that process of practicing and getting better and learning. Yeah. Um, till you get to the point where you're like, ah, okay, this is good. I'm all right. <laughs> you only get to that place by sucking. Right. And by being like deeply uncomfortable right. and, and being honest with yourself yeah. and the fact that you suck right now. Yeah. Right. Cause and that's like, where the good taste comes from. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, if you're a, if you're a good artist, you're mm-hmm. actually going to hate what you do at first. Yeah. Basically. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. And that's fine. That flips it on its head. Yeah. If you think about it that way. Yeah. I want to ask you about this analogy. First of all, thank you for taking me through this and taking yeah. my audience through this very good explanation um, and analysis of fear mm-hmm. and like the way it works. And I'm interested in, the sort of neurobiological piece mm-hmm. because with the theory of enchantment, so I don't know if you actually know what the theory of enchantment is, <laughs> which is, I should explain, because um, I don't know if we've talked about this, but theory of enchantment is a curriculum I designed that teaches social emotional well-being to everyone from high schoolers to even if you're an adult and you're in the workplace. Um, and the whole idea is that I can teach important aspects of human psychology like empathy or like things that are important to one's social well-being 
But I can teach it instead of using a psychological textbook, I can teach it using pop culture. Mm. So, for example, if I want to teach about the fact that there's human imperfection and it's with us forever, or if I wanted to teach people about parental baggage, for Mm -hmm. example, I could take a Kendrick Lamar song where he talks about his own imperfection and use that as a teaching tool to teach kids about imperfection, right? Or I can take a song by John Mayer, like um, In the Blood, which is about parental baggage, and give out lyrics to students and say, okay, class, today what we're going to do is we're going to listen to this song out loud, and we're going to read the lyrics while we listen, and we're going to really think about how it applies to us personally. We're going to do these these worksheet exercises where we essentially work through the things we think we may or may not carry that was passed down to us from our parents, Mm -hmm. for example. And so all of this to say, to go back to the neurobiological piece, if you can take a child that comes from a poor, disenfranchised background, and because they come from that background, they're it's possible because of all of the stress that they endure and that they encounter, their nervous system becomes conditioned, like as you described earlier, in such a way that it's, there's always anxiety, there's always insecurity, and then there are behaviors that manifest as a result of that insecurity, right? So if you can take that same child who's going through that and put them in a totally different space that has the right factors and connects to them in a culturally responsive way to teach them about themselves and all of the beauty within them. And if you can do that using pop culture, whether it's music or whether it's movies, the things that they are already familiar with, then you can, much like dance has done, I think, with you and your experience of dance and your experience of music and your experience of overcoming fearless, being fearful, these kids can then have their nervous systems slowly but surely become conditioned to change in another way mm-hmm. right and so i say all that to say that makes this piece being put in the education world i think so important mm-hmm. like it's it's i'm understating mm-hmm. <laughs> how monumentally like earth shattering it could be if we had like s- the ways in which you do the things you do mm-hmm. as related to music if we somehow were able to put that in the classroom yeah you know so that was a bit long-winded. That's but so cool. <laughs> but yeah. That's really cool that you made that. I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of the, I, it's why I created my online course. Oh, yes. Radical Movement. Yeah. It's all about this. Yes. You know, and it's. Yes, tell us about that. Well, we just relaunched, which is really exciting. Oh, awesome. Okay. Um, so a whole new crew of people. It's a 12-month uh, curriculum. Okay. That basically, it sounds really similar. Okay. You know, the inspiration behind it. I was yeah. like. I was saying to somebody the other day, it's a little ridiculous to say, but I should have called it how to Tasha. Okay. (laughs) Like it's like everything I did and have done and continue to do to, (laughs) um, to, to grow from somebody who's terrified of everything and hates herself to somebody who does a bunch of rad shit and like loves people a lot and, and receives a lot of love and, um, you know, is making art and mm-hmm. hopefully making an impact yeah. and continuing to to live in a way that expands, 
mm-hmm. you know, and it, it never stays in that, that comfort zone. Okay. And the reason that it's called radical, it's called radical movement 101. It's yeah. <laughs> all about what it takes because, because the way our nervous systems are wired and the mm-hmm. way our survival brain, um, which evolved many hundreds of thousands of years ago to mm-hmm. survive on the tundra mm-hmm. and, you know, in a very different kind of culture where, where survival was a daily question. Um, our, our brains are wired to seek what's familiar Mm -hmm. to hold and internalize everything we, every message we got when we were little kids Mm -hmm. as the ultimate truth. Right. Um, which it's so not, you know, so much of what we as adults believe is actually, the child's interpretation of something their parents did. Yeah. Which, first of all, most of our parents are wrong about a lot of things and, yeah. like, do stupid things all the time. Yeah. Like, we love them. Right. And they're so flawed. Right. And we love them. Parental and, baggage. And on top of that, it's a little kid's interpretation right. of what that meant. Yeah. So we're walking around, like, with all these ridiculous ideas about how life works. Right. And we're not... <laughs> Would you say in the process from like adolescence to adulthood, by and large, we're not actually wrestling with whether or not what we were told as a kid is actually true? It depends on whether we choose to. Yeah. There's a lot of, if you don't, it just depends on whether you are interested in expanding and changing and growing. Yeah. um, And unearthing that stuff Mm -hmm. and questioning it. Um, or if you are like good as you are with the status quo, yeah, it's just a question of what do you want and, and radical movement, you know, the, the word radical is, is from the roots, you know, Mm. it's like to get at something from the roots. Yeah. And my teacher, Gabrielle Roth, who created five rhythms Mm -hmm. used to say, if you put the, if you put the body in motion, if you put the psyche in motion, it will heal itself. Mm. And so we go from this survival brain and this nervous system that gets um, wired in these habitual patterns that that prioritize sameness and familiarity, okay. and we introduce and start choosing movement on every level. Mm. Movement over stasis. Okay. So introducing movement and shaking things up um, where otherwise our right. nervous system would want to contract and right. stay and Oh, hold. so I see. Wait, so let yeah. me see if I understand this correctly. So what you're basically saying is dance is fundamentally a way to get, because of people's typical attraction to dancing and to going out to dance, what it does is it gets, it allows for the nervous system to be less tight because in this particular context, our nervous systems want to participate because it's dance. So there's something fundamentally mm-hmm. about dance as opposed to other forms of movement. And I don't like, I don't know if there actually are other forms of movement, <laughs> but that can somehow enable people to reach or to want to reach that higher state of consciousness. Yeah. Well, it, yes. And it works, it works on that literal level and it works on a metaphorical level because okay. ultimately, like I, I posted yesterday, God is a DJ. <laughs> and by the way, I kind of took that literally. <laughs> so well, and that's the thing. It's like you could take it as literally as you and want. You're, and you're like, no, this is a metaphor. And well, it's like, 
we don't choose the music. Right. Right. We don't choose the music. Life is happening. And it, and at the same time, it's totally up to us how we want to dance with it. Right. That's entirely up to us. Yeah. Um, and so when I talk about introducing movement, uh, where, where there has been stasis that can be in your daily life it can be in your routine it can be in how you're thinking okay and it is also very literal because when people talk about the body mind connection Mm -hmm. like i actually think that's a lot of crap okay there is no body mind connection there's only a body mind it's one thing (sighs) oh that's interesting it's one thing they're not two things oh yeah and every yeah. yeah, every single every <laughs> right. single belief yeah. that we have, every single idea we have lives in our body. Mm. And it shows up as tension. Every single idea we have shows up as tension in our body. Any limiting idea. Any limiting idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so so that, you know, that habitual tension yeah. you have in your neck or your back or your jaw, that's a thought. Okay. This is very past the edges of you reference something we said earlier about edges yeah (laughs) yeah it's a thought and if we literally put it in motion and shake up that tension we are expanding beyond those ideas right and our body is literally becoming a gateway and a doorway into a greater sense of spiritual and psychic and emotional freedom that's a lot that's heavy that's heavy Meaning, like, I understand, yeah. I understand, like, the presence of fear when you, <laughs> when you put it like that. Because mm. that's a heavy process to embark upon, to choose to embark upon. That's like the matrix, to go back to your earlier analogy. But the first one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, it's certainly all connected. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you can look at the matrix of the, the systems and structures that were brought up to believe are the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, the ideologies, mm-hmm. you know, the beliefs, and what we're doing on the dance floor, mm-hmm. and also there's a bunch of other ways to sort of hack that system okay. and shake it up. Okay. But we are unlocking ourselves from that matrix and expanding into something bigger. Yeah. Um, because life does not, has never, will never fit in a box. Mm-hmm. As much as our minds and our egos would like it to, yeah. you know, like us and them. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. What a load of crap. Yeah. Yeah. I was just listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson talk yeah. about um, the first astronauts. Okay. And their experience of looking back on the Earth. Oh, yeah. And realizing yeah. that it's a very- all war all borders, yeah. all nations. Like it's a bunch of, can I swear on this podcast? Sure. <laughs> bunch of bullshit. <laughs> like it's just such bullshit yeah. and just made up, made up ideas. And he, he, those astronauts were like, man, if, if everyone could see what we're seeing, there would be no war. You know, it's interesting because in stoicism, there's like certain concepts that you study. And one of them is, or one of them, I'm going to mispronounce this because it's in like Latin or whatever, or Greek, but it's like sympathia, and it's exactly what you just described. Apparently, another astronaut went up into space and saw the world from his viewpoint and realized that everything was interconnected. Mm-hmm. 
And so he didn't have the. It's not that he had the aha moment about the borders and such, but he did have the aha moment about the fact that everything was connected and interconnected. And mm-hmm. so, if you are going about your day on Earth, let's say you are driving down the freeway and you get angry because someone cut you off, if you could train your mind to think about the perspective that that person who was in space just had from seeing the earth from where he was standing or floating and you thought about that interconnectedness it would totally change the way in which you interpret someone cutting you off Mm -hmm. i think it works yeah (laughs) you know charles eisenstein who's a philosopher i really really love talks about interbeing interbeing what does that mean Uh, everybody (laughs) should listen to him Okay. Google him. Um, <laughs> okay. It's it just this idea that nothing exists without everything else. And well, that's what The yeah. Lion King is about. Yeah. Fundamentally. That's what it's about. Yes. And I teach that in my curriculum. It's like one of my favorite things to teach. Did you see that we made a get down meme with The Lion King? No. It did um, not. Allie, who runs our <laughs> social media, who just is amazing. Yeah. Um, shout out to something greater social. <laughs> she made a meme with uh, the Lion King. It's like a montage of Lion King of of Simba, baby Simba, getting like his, his forehead marked yeah. and getting held up by Rafiki. And um, the the caption was, when you bring your friends to the get down for the first time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Seriously. Like, welcome to the get down. Yeah. It's like that. You are now. That's awesome. You are now part of this crazy, crazy thing. Crazy crew of yeah. wild animals. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it is because it's like, I love teaching that movie. First of all, well, this is a tangent, but I'm super into Afrobeats, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons why I constantly go back to Bembe is because of the Afrobeats mm-hmm. that are almost always playing. Um. And so I love The Lion King, not only for the story, but for the, for the soundtrack, which is, which is a part of the story, so which is a yeah. cr- actually a critical part of the story. And I just love teaching Circle of Life within the context of everything that we're talking about right now. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like what, like how people think that The Lion King, a lot of people think that The Lion King is the best Disney movie ever made. Mm. And they are deeply in love with that song, Circle of Life. They don't know why. There's some. There's like something within them that stirs them to make them in love with this song, but they don't actually know why. And I think the why is what we're sort of trying to, or, or trying or successfully, trying to, articulate and talk mm-hmm. about right now, um, is the why that gets people, to start delving deeper into, like trying to figure out. Why is it that I'm attracted to this movie so much? What is it about its message that compels me to weep or, you know, have this nostalgic childhood association with? Like, what is it about this story that I can see myself in? And is maybe that why I gravitate toward this? And it goes on and on and on. But that's why music is such a critical component, because even the, the fact that the music stirs you can be the initial question that gets you going on this journey that you're describing. Mm. The Lion King. Yeah. Now I gotta go watch The Lion King again. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. 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 Incredible. Right. Put it on my list. Yeah. I'll watch it with my niece. Have you never seen The Lion King? No, no. Oh. It's just been a really <laughs> long time. You're like, you're really talking about The Lion King right now. Clearly. Yeah. No, it's, um, 
Because what it does, sorry to keep going about this, but what it, one of the things it does is it it blends both Eastern and Western philosophy together. Hmm. So it takes certain elements of Western philosophy, but also of the Far East. Um, and you see that reflected in the life of Simba. Oh, I can't wait to watch it again. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I haven't watched it since I was in elementary school. So I watch it like at least once a year now. Amazing. It's so good. Okay, great. Um, what, what would you say, I'll just give you an example. What would you say is your favorite song from, not, but beside the circle of life? From well, King. now... I, to be completely honest, I zoned out for a little bit of what you were saying. <laughs> okay, and fair enough. No, and just was had the circle of life okay. and this huge Lion King montage playing in my head. That is fair. So, Mission accomplished. Oh, I mean, okay, I'm just trying to think of what are the other songs. There's Hakuna Matata. Sure. I don't remember any of the other songs. What are the other songs? Okay, so there's I Just Can't Wait to Be King. Oh, yeah. There's Hakuna Matata. And no, that's it. That's I think it. It's just yeah, I think so. Ah, oh, they're all so good. That's like not that many songs, and no, they're, and they're like all three. so good. Yeah, I must be missing one. I feel like. Oh, Neither of course, of course. What? Scar song. Oh, I don't remember his song. <gasps> oh, but I didn't. I think I didn't like it. I think that's. I thought I it was so well done. Really. <laughs> be prepared. Be prepared. Yeah. It was so. Um, well orchestrated, mm-hmm. like the harmonies and such. But yeah, so out of those four, you know what my favorite <laughs> animated film is? Yes, what is it? Fern Gully. I haven't seen it. Oh my god, <laughs> what's it about? What? <laughs> I really haven't seen it. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> it's about a fairy. Okay. In the forest. Okay. And um, and it's basically about nature spirits. <laughs> okay. And, uh, environmentalism okay. and magic of nature. It's like, it's like Avatar. Okay. So I've seen Avatar. So Fern Gully was I don't know 1990 or something. Okay. Avat like Fern Gully kind of wishes it was Avatar. Okay. But it's also really really amazing in its own right. Um, there. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, it's so good. Yeah. It was such an influential. Please Where can watch we it. see it? I mean, Amazon I'm sure. Pro- yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. It's a big, like, it's a big. It's a big one. It was a big one. I just um, somehow. Fern Gully. Fern Gully. Yeah, it's a beautiful. Is it film. also like a musical? There are not really. There's oh. a couple. There's a couple of songs, and there's one dance scene that I sometimes have dreams about to this day. Oh wow! So that's an impression. Yeah. That I also have to rewatch because it's also been a really long time. Yeah, it would you would probably see that scene in a totally different way than you had seen it when you were younger if you're dreaming about it now. Yeah, and it won't be like what you imagined it was in your nostalgia. Or it will just make everything make more sense. Really? That's what I imagine. I I think that I'll. Interesting. I think that it would remind me of my influences. Oh, like, okay, and fair. here's another stream of consciousness thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So when I started producing music mm-hmm. this last year, mm-hmm. you know, I've been a house DJ for like nine years or yeah. whatever. I was like, well, I'll probably make house music, right? I don't like making house music. Turns out what... <laughs> okay. I didn't even really try. What came out was all down tempo, vocally, oh. way more vocally driven than I thought it would be. Yeah. Full on songs. Yeah. Especially now more and more like the, the first EP was like my 
kind of learning, learning exercise and all of it. And yeah. more and more I'm making real, like they're really songs mm-hmm. and they're, you know, 90, a hundred beats per minute. And I was like, Oh, right. I grew up on trip hop. I love the sneaker pimps. I love okay. massive attack, Portishead. Yeah. Um, oh. I listen to a lot of Radiohead. Yeah. And also I love electronic music and danceable, mm-hmm. groovy, you know, yeah. juicy harmonies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was wondering if you grew up on gospel because I noticed mm-hmm. when you would drop the gospel mm-hmm. pieces and I would wonder if everyone else in the room understood what had just happened. Mm. <laughs> so I was curious if you grew up. N- no, I didn't. Okay. I didn't grow up uh, in in that kind of a church. OK, but I do very much appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when I play those kind of tracks, yeah, I don't think people need to understand with their brains yeah. what's happening because <laughs> you see them feel it. Yeah. You know, you see it. Especially, especially I have the coolest, from your perspective. From, I have the coolest view. It must view. be insane. That I must have be the coolest insane. view. I could because I don't see it even. I've started practicing now, yeah. looking at individual people and like okay. just appreciating. Yeah. Appreciating every single person who shows up. Um, but f- most of the time, I'm seeing the room as one organism. Yeah. And I the DJing is like the interaction of me with that organism and us meeting each other and then going on a ride that we could not go on by ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really beautiful. Yeah. Going to a place that like we really need each other to go. Yeah. And so I get to see like what happens to the group. Yeah. Depending on what I do. It's interesting because when I would first go to Bimbe, like when I started just going by myself, what I would do, I would study the f- like what was happening on the floor, meaning I would s- stay by the bar, the DJ's playing, and I would stare at people's shoes mm. to see, to basically study the science of how the music is flowing to the people on the dance floor. Because it's at the beginning of when everyone's showing up. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to see like the energy and mm-hmm. how it bounced around it. And who decided to start dancing first? Mm-hmm. Was it one person was it a couple was it a group of people who had come together as friends and and how can i what what can if anything can i learn from that from that interaction going on because yeah i mean so it must be insane to see it as a single organism that experience must be wild because it's just like the amount of science or perhaps not science but the amount of energy that is required to get everyone on the same page musically and everyone on the same page with being willing to not give a fuck about your insecurities. To get everyone in the room on that same page and that manifests itself physically in that moment Mm -hmm. is insane. That must be an insane thing to witness. It's a really cool thing to witness and I would say, it yes, it takes work Mm -hmm. and it takes intention, Mm -hmm. but it takes so much less energy to allow than it does to resist. It takes so much more energy to resist and fight than it does to allow and be free. So what actually happens is, and this is why I think dancing and electronic music are so brilliant, is because we, the rhythm gets us out of our head. Speaking of which, speaking of which, um, (laughs) the rhythm 
becomes like a mantra that our minds get to rest on oh. and we get to let go of them and, and surrender the body over. Right. Um, and that's a paradox because that means even though, even when the nervous system is moving, it is fundamentally at rest. And I think that's the point that when we're, that we don't think about it in that way, but ultimately we can be brave enough to take that chance. Well, it's not at rest, but it's not in fight or flight. No, I mean at yeah. rest metaphorically. Yeah. I mean, at, I mean, still. Yeah. Content. Yeah. It's, it's not, you know, um, yeah. disjointed or. Yeah. Well, and exactly. I would say yeah. it's like what happens on that dance floor is what happens when we stop resisting. Yeah. That is what, ha like, that yeah. amount of energy that comes out. Yeah. It's actually not me, like, putting energy into people. It's, that's the amount of energy that we all have bottled up inside of us. Uh -huh. And when we and stop resisting like and we let go, and, yeah, it's like then great intro they, for this music. they, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they bring it. Like, it's, yeah. that's what it looks like when people unlock themselves. Yeah, but it is you because you're pressing play. I, I create the space. I create the space that is an invitation for people to bring themselves. And so much of yes. the time, yes. I don't think that people feel safe to bring themselves. Okay. You know? Yeah. But the, or I should say and, wrong conjunction, <laughs> and the thing that you're transmitting, I was actually interested in like how you curate music. How, mm -hmm. like, how, like your, um, I don't know, just your approach to it. Or is there even an approach? Are you just like, like, what's your process? Are you just like, fuck it, I like this this week, and I'm going to, you know? <sighs> that is a whole other conversation. <laughs> okay, okay. That's a huge conversation. <laughs> Different conversation. And I would say, just to answer your question, I would say sometimes yeah. I plan. Okay. Sometimes I prepare. Okay. And sometimes I just trust. Sure. And a lot of times, it, like, I can, I can build a really, really amazing set when I yeah. plan it. Yeah. Um being prepared like coming in with 50 songs yeah. and playing 20 of them makes me feel like i have a safe space to play in right. a little bit right. it's like a little bit experiment with yeah and then when i don't have time to do either or mm -hmm. i just show up or i just like like last night i tried to prepare and i was like i don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> tomorrow i can't plan for this yeah those are when the most magical moments happen the most magical by far that's awesome. Because it's not yeah. based on some previous version of what I thought would happen. It's right. based on what's actually what's happening, happening right now. What's, it's like it's like a moment of perfect presence. Exactly. Your mind isn't anywhere else. It's a perf of perfect presence. And it's actually not me. It's something else. It's not else. you. It's something else. What do you mean else. it's not you? <laughs> what does that mean? It's spirit. But that's you. Well, yes. In a big <laughs> sense. You just told me what your favorite like movie was. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's not my small self. It's not my controlling self. It's not oh, the I okay. identity that like wants people to think she's cool. Sure. It's it's the it's the thing that comes through the creative flow. People experience okay, it as creative flow. flow. It's, okay. It's that energy that comes through when we feel, um, you know, when when athletes get into yeah. the zone. Yeah. And they go beyond themselves. Yeah. It's when we go beyond ourselves. And beyond, yeah. you know, it's when we go beyond those those old systems and structures yeah. and beliefs and ideas that we were raised to think we are. Yeah. And, like, 
that can only happen in the present moment and when we let go of trying to plan and be something for other people and just listen to what yeah. wants to happen. I feel like I have so many more questions, but you probably have to go. I feel like <laughs> this is them trying to tell me that I'm supposed to sound check right now. I'm like, mm. <laughs> so you, would you like me to come over and plug in my equipment? So, but I do want to ask you one last question. I have to yeah. just give, try, try to get one last question. Um, okay. It's a stream of consciousness, so go, go with it. I, I think that I am of the belief that... It's like in gospel, there's this red thread of redemption that's like the central message, like the concept of redemption. That's a, the central message that flows through the music. And... Um, I think it's actually reflected in a lot of the musical notes that traditionally make up gospel with the, with the use of minor chords especially, right? But anyway, I say all that to say, I think that because of my, or my attraction to gospel music and Afrobeats slightly reflects and expresses my interest in the concept of redemption. And as I have been conditioned for a whole host of reasons to come to this conclusion, or rather I have been, I feel like I think that there's redemption in everything. So ultimately what I mean by that is, I feel like I've come to a place where even where I might have a great deal of criticism for old ideas or old structures or old rules that you know turned out to not be so great and affect my life in a really bad way, I can still look in my mind's eye essentially back on the people who lived in that era that was cre that were creating those systems and those structures and see at the very least the potential of redemption in them and so i'm less and so as a result i'm less likely to i don't know be so rigidly antagonistic in my vocabulary when I am rightfully criticizing those old structures and stuff like that. And I don't know what this has to do with anything, but I'm just curious about what you think about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can say that my understanding of the word sin and the root of it is forgetting. Ooh. It's forgetting who we are, who okay. we really are. It is, That's interesting. It is what happens when we get sucked into ideologies of separation. Okay. And that can be on a scale of feeling separate and isolated and like we're shitty people. Yeah. Or oh. feeling prejudice against a group of people. Mm -hmm. You know, ultimately that... that feeling and concept of separation is what makes us suffer. Okay. And it's what happens when we forget the truth of who we are. Yeah. Which is interbeing. And which is interconnectedness. And that remembrance yeah. is what I'm always after. That remembrance. On the dance floor. It's where we get to That's it's cool. where we get to come together and literally literally shake out yeah. our stupid limited ideas yeah. of forgetting. Yeah. And remember how much bigger and more connected we are than which is our why, minds would have us. Which is think. why Mufasa told Simba. Yes. He saw him 
from the perspective of the clouds, when he saw him in exile, he said, remember. That's what he kept repeating. Remember, you must rewatch The Lion King. <laughs> Hallelujah. You must. Well, Tasha Blank, it has been <laughs> a very wild trip, but oh, I've enjoyed every please. minute of it. Thank you so much Amazing. for your time. Thank you so much. I will send this to you, of course, when it is out. Awesome. I'm probably going to release this in the new year. So Love it. Thank you so much for joining the Theory of Enchantment It's been podcast. a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Today's quote of the day is quite fitting. It comes from Rafiki, the wise baboon from The Lion King, who once said to Simba, Yes, the past can hurt, but the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. That makes for another episode of the Theory of Enchantment podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you will have a great new year. Start out awesome, outline your objectives, have your goals, and try to be badasses and try to pursue them. I'm your host, Chloe Valdry. Thanks again for listening.